Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, we've got the CEO of Growth Hit and the author of the Growth Marketers Playbook, the one and only Jim Hoffman. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so first off, so the Growth Marketers Playbook, very popular book on Amazon, obviously number one. Uh, and so, w- would you mind sharing just a little bit about uh, your superpowers and and what it is that you do? Yeah, for sure. So, I um, I have a, a growth marketing agency that focuses on conversion rate optimization called Growth Head. So, we kind of function as an outsourced growth team. And the way I kind of stumbled into this is I. I used to work in finance a long time ago doing M&A deals. And I was on the sidelines watching these people build their companies and sell them. I was like, I want to be on that side. And yeah. so that was at a time when startups were kind of a thing. And so I started, I, I joined a startup, was fortunate enough to be like employee 20, got it to like 200. And I was non-technical. I'm not like a coder or developer. So you kind of get pigeonholed into marketing and growth. So by being a part of some very like innovative and, and good products and services was able to see these companies grow and go to the next level. So um, went to a couple different startups as this kind of growth marketing person. And along the way got connected with some VC firms like, Hey, you know what you've learned with those startups. I'd love for you to talk to these founders that are doing marketing and growth. And so just from repetition and being fortunate enough to be a part of these teams, I got to then work with other founders on growth and marketing. And so that essentially kind of led to me essentially doing my own agency. So my, my superpower, if there is one, it's, it's, it's really trying to uncover like someone that has traction, that has a product and creating repeatable and scalable growth going to that next level. So for me, that, that's what I really enjoy is kind of that, that zero to one trajectory. Yeah, well, who doesn't like growth? I mean, growth seems growth is a good all-encompassing <laughs> word that I can't imagine anybody says no to that. Right? Yeah, it, it can be a little daunting though when you put growth in the front of your name as a company, like when your growth hit. So you managing expectations around the gate is is not very easy. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's good and bad. Yeah. Well, just generally, like if we kind of start at a high level, um, what is working well in growth today? say, versus a couple of years ago. And again, 2020 is such a weird year. Um, but, but you know, if someone's trying to keep up with where your research is leading you and, you know, your test cases, and you've worked with some big clients, by the way, and I should point out. Um, so you've worked with some Netflix shows, you've worked with, uh, go ahead and name drop. Yeah, we've um, like one that was just recently on Shark Tank, Crayal Essence, um, that's doing a big round of funding, Universal Standard that's closed, like a $20 million round of funding. We've done just recently a, like a webinar with, with Procter & Gamble and some big brands. But um, honestly, we, we really like catching the ones that are getting traction and are hitting those rounds of growth because or mm. rounds of funding because the, the growth yeah. story there is pretty fun. But as far as like 
what we're seeing now versus what happened, you know, three to four or five years ago. I mean, it's funny because like so many of these direct consumer brands we did in the past, I mean, you're launching on the back of obviously Instagram and Facebook and social ads when performance was, was just insane and through the roof and performance there is still good for the right audiences and, and the right, um, you know, brands, but it's also more and more saturated, competitive and more expensive. And so what we're seeing is it's so much more about, first and foremost, having a foundation of authentic brands, solving a true problem um, and knowing your core customer. It's those annoying things that everyone already always says, but it's so yeah. true because when you do that, um, so many things work for you. But what we've found is your, your channels for growth are becoming more and more segmented. You're having to do some things that don't scale if it's community-based marketing, going all in on building an authentic content machine, being the core of it, and then layering on ads and some of these channels that do scale. But the reason why we've started focusing on CRO is because of the competitive landscape. It's so interesting mm -hmm. when people think of growth, like, all right, let me throw some money at Facebook ads and Google ads, but right. they're kind of neglecting that core of the funnel of like, okay, you've paid for this traffic. What are you doing to convert it, to nurture it, to accelerate it through the pipeline? And so that's where we focus. Cause if, if you can optimize a funnel to activate people, to convert people, your channels at the top of the funnel are going to look so much better um, as opposed yeah. to just wasting money. Cause I just, I kept seeing people raise money and the dollars go straight to these ad channels and, and they can't mm -hmm. convert it. Um, so, so for us, that's what we're liking. Um, and I don't know, as far as like B2B companies, the idea of account-based marketing, I mean, if you have a lifetime value with clients that are over, you know, 40 grand, you can literally write down the, your clients on a list and do hand-to-hand -hand combat to get in front of them. So doing this hybrid totally. of marketing and sales working together. Uh, so that's something that we like on the B2C side. Um, you know, community-based marketing, um, really creating a content machine is, is, is what we like seeing to work really well. But, um, but yeah, that, that's kind of some, some high-level thoughts. Jim, based on what you've just kind of explained in terms of what's working, what does this communicate to all of us as consumers, regardless if we're a decision maker with a large successful company or we're even like uh, a government you know, or a municipality that's, uh, you know, making a, dis a buying decision. We're all consumers. Mm -hmm. So what, what would be your view on how consumer behavior has evolved? Yeah, it's not like it's about being first to market or there aren't as many options. I think the, the study is now there's almost 2 billion websites now, which is insane. And so that means there's more and more competition. And two, consumers are getting smarter. They're not falling for the old tricks. And um, you need to speak to them like they're intelligent because they are. And so mm -hmm. it's like if you can truly understand, you know, who your customer is, not going to the masses, but knowing that persona um, and identifying what is the language they're using, what persona do they fall into, what do they actually care about? And if you can talk to them like a human, um, I, I think that can work really well as opposed to trying being everything to everyone because you're just going to get slaughtered because there's so many options out there where people actually know their customers and know who they're talking to. And so that's not a one-time thing. You need to have an ongoing dialogue with your customers, with your visitors in the form of, you know, if it's through social media, if it's through email, it's doing voice of customer surveys, because 
that can be your advantage. If you are more in tuned with, you know, what your customers are thinking and saying and use that to drive your strategy, um, that's the secret sauce. Yeah, completely. I mean, it could be the difference between uh, a wildly profitable campaign and one is like, well, okay, you got in front of a lot of eyeballs, but nobody did anything. So why why would you do that? Uh, so that's when they bring in someone like uh, like you or bring in growth it. Uh, can you kind of explain a little bit about what it's like to engage with growth hit? Like, where do you come in? What's kind of your, okay, first things first, let's have a conversation about X. What's X? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first we like, we kind of folk like function as that outsourced head of growth. So the first question is like, do we even have goals? Like, what are you trying to do in the next you know, month, quarter, year? And have we quantified that? So if we need to know where we need to go and what are the metrics we try, just so we're speaking the same language from a numbers perspective, because there's nothing worse than being, you know, misaligned on that. And then the Mm -hmm. second thing is like, okay, that's the goal. Let's actually like start with the end in mind. It's like, okay, if the goal is to get more sales, more customers, what are the unit economics for a conversion rate for acquiring someone? Do we know their lifetime value? And so it's usually like doing some analysis to uncover those numbers. And then the the other thing is we're quickly going to figure out two things. The people that are your top customers, what is the path they did? What did they do that the people that came to your website that abandoned didn't do? So we start to do some research. And a lot of companies are really good at the quantitative research. They know their conversion rate. They know their bounce rate. But they're ignoring the qualitative stuff of why they abandoned. And so if we can get to that and uncover why people converted, why they abandoned, what are their main objections, we start to realize, you know, what is the unique value proposition? What are the opportunities for, you know, really solidifying our place in the market? So we're doing that in addition to competitive analysis. So we can, we essentially will ask, well, here are your top five competitors. And we reverse engineer their marketing strategy from the ads they do, their email flows to how they convert with the funnel. So we know the entire landscape. So you know, it's, you know, knowing the goals, knowing the numbers, knowing, you know, their position in the market. And then from there, Mm -hmm. we start to really know where to focus. It could be like, okay, you know, you have an interesting value prop, but your conversion rate is is really not good. We've got to, you know, figure out how we activate these people. So for e-commerce, if it's a high price point, we need to play up the quality or why it's an essential product. Um, If it's SaaS, you know, it's like, are we doing free versus paid? You know, you know, what is that time to close? And so that could be something that we focus on, or they could have a really good funnel once they get to a certain point, but it's really bad at getting people there and educating them on it. There could be issue of education before they start converting. And so the, the data really helps guide us, but we absolutely with every, you know, growth experiment we do, we try and quantify the impact that it could have. It's like, are we focusing on high volume pages or pages that are high converting pages? Um, to, because every test after it's done, the clients can be like, okay, how did it do? What are the numbers? So we want to be able to show with statistical significance, it won and it's going to have a significant impact on you know sales or profit. Because the, the good and bad thing about being a growth agency that focuses on conversion it's pretty black and white if we did our job or not because our our goal is to to pay for ourselves uh, 
and then some um, pr- pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, for a, a company or startup that may not yet have a lot of brand or product awareness, uh, I wonder to what extent uh, off-site uh, reputation management. Um, I, I look at, you know, again, for 13 years, I've, you know, I've served as a consumer expert and uh, been a syndicated columnist in the kind of the consumer world and studying and leading consumer behavior. And, and, and I see today's consumers as being incredibly savvy. And, and you're not going to fool anybody, at least for very long. Uh, and that is, is because consumers, I think, are a little bit more protective and they expect, well, that sounds great, but this is in, in particular, I'd say in, in, in terms of larger price point investments, uh, it, you know, the consumer is just going to kind of do their due diligence. And oftentimes it's a Google search and checking out, looking for social proof and looking for all these indicators of authority. What, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, it, I totally agree. Because especially if you have a product where you know there's going to be some par- comparison going on, knowing that like your site isn't housing all of their actions and being aware of like, okay, are they going to Amazon to do price comparison? Are they looking to influencers or thought leaders to give suggestions on what to buy? And so like one thing that we're thinking through, if you're doing like this omni-channel strategy is like, okay, you know, what is that process to buy and how are we influencing that? Either pointing them in the right direction or feeding that information they want so they don't mm. have to go to those other places. If it's price comparison right. pages, if it's really like putting first and foremost the story or putting forth those testimonials or the user-generated content. Because it's funny, I even look at my own purchasing behavior on like what influences something. And it's usually multiple touch points. There's offline things happening, there's recommendations. And so it's, it's so hard in this direct-to-consumer world where you're trying to own attribution, but just knowing that if, if you're baking these things in and giving nudges along the way, you can definitely influence that, that transaction. Mm, yeah. Um, and then in terms of um, personal or, or, or I, I heard I was at a, speaking at a conference and one of the other speakers said, you know, that, that people don't connect with brands, people don't connect with products, they don't connect with services, people connect with people. Um, to what extent has that, has, have you seen that become any more or less important? Or when you are advising a brand, do you say, you know, we need to get a little bit more humanness here in, in what I'm seeing? Is, is this something that comes up? Yeah, it's especially when you see these, you know, startups take on very established incumbents. It's like, how do you do that? And sometimes their advantage is the authenticity that comes with the story of the founder or the team or the mission they're on. And it's so interesting because that's also their advantage because some of these big companies don't have that, right? Um, and so like the example of the, the brand that was just on Shark Tank is we test content every time we do kind of behind the scenes or talk about why they started this product, the problem it solved with the actual founder, that content resonates so well for engagement and conversion, but it also does a good job of, you know, they they say that your strategy is your story and that if you have a story that clearly shows that problem that you're solving and why people should care, 
it's that soundbite that people use when they're doing word of mouth with other people that can just ripple across everything. And it's so simple when it's a founding story that's authentic to carry that all the way through. So we definitely see that working from top of funnel ad copy to onboarding to selling a product. When you're using the story, especially if it's of a founding team, it makes the job so much easier. Do you, uh, are, are you aware of differences generationally? So if, well, obviously there is, but I, I'm curious about your, your, your observations in terms of marketing to say boomers versus Gen Xers versus millennials versus Gen Z, you know, I, 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 it's kind of a dumb question, but, you know, I, I'm curious though that, you know, any observations that you've seen that you think actually kind of interesting in terms of like how you communicate or um, what our assumptions are based on that audience? Yeah, I, I think in a few different terms, like which audiences are more proactive than reactive? Because obviously going yeah. after proactive where they're searching for something is, is so much better. Their curiosity is going up as far as things that they care about. Um, and also like, so it's like, okay, you know, just one little example, like we're testing younger versus older demographics with a, a, a product. And one thing we're playing up is like made in the USA, um, bulk buying, you know, what are these behaviors that, you know, an older group might care about or do more than a younger group? Because, you know, you might do in bulk buying if you live in an area where you can house a bunch of stuff. Whereas if you're maybe a younger millennial, it's more about you're, you're okay with more frequent purchases. Right. Um, you know, especially now in this time of COVID, the made in the USA for the older demo has been performing pretty well with, with certain mm -hmm. products. Um, and even just the utility of it, depending on a younger persona versus older persona can influence things. Um, if it's essential, you know, even like some skincare products where, okay, is this for acne? Is this for aging skin and using, um, it's funny, like, as we, this is kind of obvious, but as we're targeting younger men, sometimes when you have a, a younger woman showing the product, it does pretty well. Whereas with older demographics, actually aligning with the same sex is working pretty well when they can oh. like see themselves and somebody. So, um, yeah. but then those are kind of general things that don't apply to everything, but just some interesting insights we see sometimes. Jim, um, tell, tell me about your book. Yeah. Um, so the, the Growth Markers Playbook, um, I was um, I was teaching in New York at General Assembly, which is continued education for uh, marketing professionals. Um, I did that for like three years, just like on the side. And then I was also doing some one-off talks with startups and VC firms. And I was essentially sitting on like 500 slides of content. I was like, I should do something with this so it doesn't just die on my hard drive. And I was like, I'd love to repurpose this as a book because it was nice. I was able to kind of stress test it to see the content that really helped people, content that didn't. So I kind of slapped it together. It's almost like a manual for anyone that's, mm -hmm. you know, part of a company and they're charged with, hey, guess what? You're in charge of, of marketing and growing this thing. Here's what to do. So the goal is to be something I wish I would have had when I was starting out. So it's 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 strategic and it's tactical on how to think through, you know, taking an idea, validating it and scaling it to the next level um, online. Yeah. Uh, so I was on, so I'm on your website right now um, at uh, growthhit.com uh, and uh, you, you had a link to funnel teardowns. Is that, is that you or is that? 
Yeah, um, my uh, we we created a content site funnel teardowns because we found that with I kind of spoke about it earlier, like with our clients, we'll look at their competitors and reverse engineer their funnel. Wow. We're like, what are they doing to raise a massive round of funding or to close leads? So we're we're basically trying to like go through do the funnel mapping and see everything they're doing. And we basically call out, wow, this is impressive. This is really good. And then we'll kind of be like, ah, we don't like this. We think we could improve this. And we just kind of serve it up for people to kind of go through the, it's essentially a slideshow of, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the most innovative brands, like how they convert people. Like one is like Curology. I think they close a $30 million round off of Mm -hmm. one quiz funnel. And it was like, it blew us away. Like, okay, we should put this out there. So, wow. um, and it's a good way for us just to kind of keep the, keep ourselves sharp and see like innovative companies, how they're onboarding people. Yeah. This is a very, very cool website, funnelteardowns.net, uh, which I think you can learn a lot. You know, I think it looks like the average funnel that you're analyzing, there's going to be some big brains behind a uh, lot of why they do certain things. And for you to kind of like, uh, you know, kind of reverse engineer this, uh, I, I think I would imagine you come across funnels, you're like, oh, that's actually pretty clever. Hey, I'm sure oh, you've seen yeah. stuff. Yeah, especially like we'll see them kind of change it up a little bit. And all of a sudden they'll settle on something and not test. And then we see they raise all this round of funding. We're like, okay, that's probably working really well. There's some very smart people behind this. Let's try yeah. and like see what we can learn from, from what they're testing. Wow. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, so Jim, so for anyone else uh, that's like, okay, I'm definitely going to go check out funnelteardowns.net. Uh, you know, obviously there's the book. Uh, and, uh, so that book, obviously you could find that on Amazon's Amazon bestselling book. Um, and the title is the growth marketers playbook. Anything else that you'd recommend people in, in, uh, you know, in wanting to enjoy more of kind of the thought and what you, what the work that you're doing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have a blog, just jimwhuffman.com. And uh, I, I send out like a weekly newsletter, just like five interesting things that I find every week around uh, growth marketing and kind of, you know, being a founder, whether it's bootstrapped or, or venture-backed, because we're always trying to put ourselves in the position of like the, these entrepreneurs and marketers that are tasked with, you know, growing stuff 10x. And so anything we can do to support that, we're, we're always trying to do. But um, yeah, that, that, that's something that we really enjoy putting out. Jim Huffman, you're the CEO of Growth Hit on the web at growthhit.com. You're the author uh, of the Growth Marketers Playbook. It's on Amazon right now. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? 
where we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.